I am very excited to be here with you this morning. So thank you all for welcoming me so well. So I, um, I love Broadway musicals. And this, and this was actually a point of contention when I got married because I thought my husband would love them right along with me. And he did not. He was not on board with this little trend of mine. So we made a deal that if I would watch Marvel movies with him, then he would watch Broadway musicals with me. So some incredible things happen. I mean, the, the first incredible thing is that I can now have a very thorough conversation with you about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and its various phases and whether or not Captain America really was worthy to pick up Mjolnir when he threw it at the end of Endgame and how the Scarlet Arc's Witch has, had, the Scarlet Witch's arc has, has changed since the beginning into a multiverse of madness. And is anybody following along with me in this? We have a few. Yes. Okay. That's fantastic. So we can talk about that after. Um, but, but the, the other, other really cool thing, thing that happened is that my husband actually started enjoying some musicals, too. And when and we were living in California together, the first musical we went to see live was the musical Wicked, which is just one of my favorites. And if you're familiar with that story, it's basically a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. And it talks about the Wicked Witch of the West before she was, well, the Wicked Witch of the West. And this musical is a flashback, but it begins... At the point in the Wizard of Oz's storyline where Dorothy has just thrown water on the witch and melted her. And so the first two words of the musical Wicked are good news. Everybody's celebrating. They're singing good news, good news. She's dead. The witch of the West is dead. Good news. And they go on and sing it all throughout this song. But as you listen to the musical, you realize that it's not actually good news at all. There's been this big misunderstanding. The Wicked Witch of the West really isn't wicked. They have the story wrong. And so these people are walking around celebrating like they have this good news that's not actually good news. And it kind of reminds me of some churches today. And it kind of reminds me of some of our Christian communities today. We claim to be people who have good news, but statistics show that fewer and fewer people are experiencing good news from us. They look at churches and they see scandals or toxic leadership or infighting or snobbery and judgment. And not every church is like this, of course, but enough of them are that we have unfortunately earned this reputation. Good news is not what people usually get when it comes to our Christian communities. But what if it could be? What if when others encountered us, they did actually experience good news, like real good news? And what would that look like? And how would that occur? I think our passage today has something to say about this. We're in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. It's the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. So the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost until he finds it? And, and when, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. 
Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 sinners who do not need repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So this is the lectionary text for today. And I think the lectionary is actually pretty cool. It's a schedule of texts for preachers to preach on that essentially helps pastors go through the entire scripture in a three-year period. And I love it because pastors across denominations and even across countries will be preaching on this same text. So it's kind of like this cool continuity with the global body of Christ. But as cool as it is, I almost, I almost just threw the whole thing out when I saw that this was the text for today. I was almost like, forget the global body of Christ. I'm going to do whatever I want to do because I've heard so many sermons and so many lessons on this particular text. And I've seen them do so much damage, not intentionally, but that's still what happened. And here's why. The most common interpretation of these passages that I've heard is that we, the Christian community, the believers, we are the shepherd. We are the woman. I'm going to fix this really quickly. All right, we're, feeling, we're doing good. All right, Jordan's giving me a thumbs up. Okay. We are the shepherd, that we are the woman, that it is our job to go out and look for the lost. And when this passage is interpreted as if we are the seekers, we are the searchers, then what we read here becomes instructive. It becomes prescriptive. Here's how you go look for the lost. You need to go out intentionally like the shepherd did. You need to seek diligently like the woman did. These verses become the prescribed way that we are supposed to go out and seek. And then in our attempts to be obedient, we do this. But it's hard. And it's a lot of pressure. So we develop strategies and we determine best methods for evangelism. And we feel really great when we get someone saved. And we feel really like failures when we don't. And it unintentionally, inadvertently becomes all about us. Our ability. Our efficacy. Our numbers. Many years ago, I worked at a church in Texas that was on the border of Texas and Mexico. So we had a lot of mission groups who would come to us to do mission work in that area. And we had one group who called and said, we'd like to come towards the end of July and we want to do a VBS and soccer camps. And we said, okay, great. We just want to let you know we have groups coming all summer long who also want to do VBS and soccer camps. And we can give you some other suggestions for things that our community would need. And they said, well, we'll call you back. And they they called us back and they're like, no, we we do VBS and soccer camps, camps, so this is what we're going to do. So we said, okay. They came, they hosted their VBS and soccer camps, and very few children showed up because this had been what had been happening all summer long. And man, those people were mad. The church, they were mad. And I will never forget one of their leaders basically yelling at us saying, you were supposed to bring them here. You were supposed to bring them so we could save them. Those people, I'm just going to trust that they probably have really good hearts. Probably. But when we become the seekers, when we treat these verses as if they are prescriptive, then seeking the lost becomes a duty 
and an obligation, and the lost, the lost stop being people. They start being a project that's fueled by our own motives. And as far as I can tell, the shepherd didn't really have any ulterior motives when he was going to look for the sheep. He wasn't like, you know, I've already found seven sheep. I'm hoping that another one goes missing tomorrow so I can get that up to eight. No, he went after the lost sheep because he loved the sheep. The woman went after the coin because the coin was valuable. It wasn't just something to blow off. And the Pharisees who were listening to this story, the Pharisees needed to hear that. They needed to hear these analogies because they were sitting over there looking at Jesus going, look at the kind of people that this guy is hanging out with. Look at this riffraff. Look at these sinners and these tax collectors, these worthless ones, the kind of company that this dude keeps. Jesus intentionally fashioned these parables to be about people seeking things of value, things that were not worthless, things that were not riffraff. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest, y'all, I think Christian communities do the same thing. We make the lost out to be our own kind of riffraff. They are bad. They are wrong. But and we can argue about this later if we need to. But what if being lost isn't always as bad as we make it out to be? So I have a son who's going to be four in two days. Um, and he loves vehicles of every kind. Construction vehicles, emergency vehicles, they are his thing. And when we were driving here this weekend, something happened in the car that frustrated him. And he let out this like ear-piercing, high-pitched scream. It was awful. And I was like, whoa, whoa, Micah, buddy, you cannot do that in the car. And he goes, why not? And I said, well, it could be dangerous. And he's like, well, why? said, well, because daddy's driving, it could startle daddy, and he could run off the road. And Micah goes, into a ditch? And I was like, okay, yes. He goes, and we'd have to call a tow truck? And I was like, oh, dear. This is not going the direction I want. And I said, okay, yes, or like we could, it could cause us to get in a wreck. And Micah goes, and we could get hurt. And I said, yes. And he goes, so we'd call a tow truck and an ambulance? And I was like, oh, okay, this is just really not going the direction that I needed it to go. I was trying to get him to understand how bad this was. And all he could see were the benefits and the excitement parts. And what if sometimes, what if there are benefits to, y'all, can you give me a second? All right. Is it my earring, Jordan? Do I keep knocking this thing off with you? So sometimes I think there may be benefits to being lost, too. What if sometimes we need to get lost for a while? What if we need to clear our heads? What if we need to take a breath to deconstruct a few things that really need to be deconstructed? What if getting lost allows us to experience the shepherd in a way that most sheep don't? Because now we know what it's like to see his head cresting over, to hill, over that hill, to be laid on his shoulders, to have good company as we journey through a strange wilderness. The lost aren't necessarily bad or wrong like our churches sometimes treat them to be. They're just lost. And they're never beyond the shepherd's ability to find them. So all of this is why I almost didn't preach on these passages. Because too often it's been, it's us and it's them, we're the saved, they're the lost, it's our job to go seek them out and save them because being lost is bad and wrong and they need to listen to us and I don't hear good news in any of that. 
good news for them or good news for us. But I think there could be another way for us to interpret these verses that really is good news for both the us's and the them's of the world. And it first becomes evident when we realize these verses are not instructional. They're not prescriptive. They're descriptive. Jesus is describing a situation that other people would resonate with. It's like if he said, how many of you, when you have a big appointment and you have lost your car keys, don't turn over the entire house. You flip over the couch cushions. You dig through your pants pockets. You have checked through every crevice of your purse and maybe even dump it out to try to find those keys. And everybody else would be like, yeah, I totally get that. And Jesus is like, yeah, right? And BT Dubs, that's how God searches for all of you. Like this was a really good point that Jesus was using to describe how God already thinks of us. It was describing something about God that was already true. It was descriptive. But let me pause here for a second to say that truth right there in and of itself, that is good news. That God seeks us like that. That on those days when we do feel like the lost coin or we do feel like the lost sheep, the, the, the good news for us is knowing that God is always coming after us, that Jesus takes the impetus upon himself to come after us, and not for his own sake, but for ours, because he loves us, because we are wanted and we are known, because God notices when we go missing and God will never leave us stranded or abandoned in a wilderness. That's good news, period, for all of us. The us's and the them's. But even that good news is not the main point of this passage, I don't think. If it was, Jesus could have stopped right there. He could have said, the shepherd went to look for his sheep, and when he found him, he rejoiced, and he put him on his shoulders. And the woman lost her coin, and so she lights a lamp and sweeps diligently and looks diligently for the coin. End of peril. But that's not what Jesus said. In the very end, he added two different details. Verse 5 says, when, he, when the shepherd has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then again in verse 9, when the woman has found the coin, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. And this, this is the main point of this parable. This is the reason why Jesus told these stories. And this is the good news for us as a Christian community. We aren't the shepherd or the woman. That is God's role. God is the one who does the seeking. God is the only one who can save. We are not the woman. We are not the shepherd. But some of us may also say we don't feel like the lost coin or the lost sheep. We know we have been found. So So these these friends friends and neighbors, this is who we get to be. We are the rejoicers. We are the celebrators. We get to be those friends and neighbors who are invited to come celebrate when the lost have been found and who get to welcome them home. See, these people, these friends and neighbors, they're not just background actors. They're not just bystanders in the larger story. They're actually participants with God. They are participating in what God is doing. They don't initiate the search. God has already done that. But they still care about the search. They would still help in the search. 
They, they still want what's lost to be found, and not for their own sake, but because they know that it's good when what's lost gets found, so that they can rejoice with their friend, so that they can welcome them both home. This, I think, is our role as a Christian community, to be participants with God, not to put ourselves in the place of God and feel like we have to do it all on our own, but also not sit back and be like, God's going to do whatever God wants, so I'm just going to live my life. No, we are invited to participate. The Spirit of God is constantly doing things in this world, always present, always moving, and we're invited to be a part of the Spirit's work. We've been invited to help in the search. We've been invited to celebrate when lost things get found. We get to participate with God's work by being the examples of God's love and God's care for others and God's diligent desire for people to know that they are valued and wanted exactly as they are. And all of those things are really, really good news. And there's always more good news. Because the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, is not just about what Jesus did for us then. It's also about what God continues to do for us now. So there's always more good news to hear, new good news to discover. And we'll get to discover that together in community as we continue participating with God. Friends and neighbors, come celebrate with me. This was an invitation. This is the invitation for the Christian community to embody the good news in new and real ways. Good friends and neighbors celebrate when good things happen, and especially and even when good things happen to other people. Good friends and neighbors are waiting with a wide-armed welcome, ready to rejoice when the lost come home. And good friends and neighbors, much like the shoulders of that shepherd, can offer rest and safety. I'm sorry, Jordan. Rest and safety and some excellent company on a journey through the wilderness. A place like that, a community like that, that really does sound like good news. So what do you say? Let's go be good friends and neighbors.